Good morning, brethren. Continuing our treatise or message from yesterday, I bring you God's Pattern of Wealth, Part 2. But before I continue, let me make an apology. Forgive my um, harsh nature yesterday. It was predicated or brought about by the passion within me at the moment and which I couldn't put in check. Forgive me again. I think it made me a little incoherent. Anyway, this morning, by the grace of God, we're going to be quiet and gentle about it. Let's take a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. We worship you. Thank you for your revelation. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, that when we pray continuously every day, you will enlighten our hearts by the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, that we may know that which belongs to us and the riches, the fullness of your riches in us, the saints. May be a continuous process, even as we pray every day in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you grant us understanding because walking in faith requires understanding of your word thank you father in jesus name now yesterday i spoke about i ended at verse 9 and i said unto you make to yourselves of luke chapter 16 sorry i'm carried away and i said unto you make to yourselves friends of mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail they may receive you into everlasting habitations there's that tendency to think that the word everlasting habitations has to do with heaven. Yes, life here is a seed for heaven. How you live your life, what you are able to understand, determines the kind of life you live when you get to heaven. I quite agree with that. Now, but the Bible did say when ye fail, which means it's talking about money. It's talking about wealth. When your wealth fails, now, I began to understand from verse 10, as we go on, you will begin to understand with me why we pray and there is no answer. There is no answer, yet God gave a guarantee that there will be answers. We're going to be looking at some of those things right now. So, right off the bat, before I even enter the verses, let me explain something. Wealth, true wealth, is answers. Just pause for a moment and imagine it. In order to understand that, let's look at John 15, like a diversion. He said, Hearing is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. God in heaven is glorified when ye bear much fruit. Now, but the question is, what is that fruit? He said in verse... Um, 16 of john 15 he say we ye have not chosen me but i have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name he may give it to you that is wealth 
Wealth is whatever you ask for, you receive. I know it's a shocker, but pause a moment to think about the true riches as is written in uh, specifically verse 11 of Luke 16. You see, if therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true to your trust the true riches? True riches, yes, I know no one has ever even bothered to find out. For me, it was a uh deliberate journey but it was a surprising outcome the word true riches according to what jesus wrote down here is so simple it is simply the answers of god the continuous answers of god i know that most times we've asked ourselves when will i come to the place where whatever and he repeated he repeated two or three times he said whatever ye shall ask of the father he will give it to you in my name underline the word in his name that is because of the sacrifice i've made if you have not come to the point where you understand that everything you ask for will be delivered to you in the name of jesus who died to get it for you you are not in true riches now not believing in the god who said that word i mean come to think of it People don't have answers and they are comfortable. They give reasons. They manufacture stories why. But that wasn't what God said. I'm sorry. I'm an advocate that if God says it, he must do it. Then if there be a condition, he should let me know what the condition is. And herein is the condition. Very simple. Verse 10 of Luke chapter 16. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Let me help you understand something. From verse 10 to 13, Jesus called wealth of the earth, what the earth defines as wealth, as the least. Now, the mere fact that he's mentioning it in relation to seeds of God means that at a point in time, you are going to have some of the articles of wealth of the earth. And remember, I said the wealth of even the wealth of the earth is not just money. Let me tell you a secret. Yes, money answers all things, but there are things money cannot procure for you. For example, there is a level of influence we, even as a church, for example, we are not enjoying, and it is not because we don't have money. We now have mega rich men of God. Whether they be of God or not is not my problem. The issue is. We have mega rich men of God who cannot influence government decision right now. They can only rant and rave and pray, but they can't. Yet, not too long ago, we had a man whom presidents were afraid of. And when they want to make a rule or a law, they are careful. But today, we have a government who doesn't care about the men of God in the country. So you see, we have rich churches, but we don't have the influence we need as the body of Christ to influence government decision. And I am of the belief that is why we are here on earth. That's why the scripture tells us that the man of iniquity cannot come until them who must live must live. That is, as long as we are here, the man of iniquity cannot manifest. And for him to be showing prongs and signs means that the church has lost the influence that belongs to them, which is 
part of the wealth of the earth. Why do you think when a man has money, a natural man, an unregenerated man has money, then he wants to die to have power? He's willing to do whatever it takes. Most of these politicians always, some of them had money from the spirit of their soul, that is from their soul as a man. But they now got involved in devilish activities in order to get power. That word power there, forget about the politics, it's influence, the ability to bring influence. Now, if they do go to some rubbish places to get the means to the power, of course, they will obey the influence of those rubbish places. But just imagine if the church has influence, no matter who is in power, the church now has the influence to control whoever is in power, like when it was um, Idahosa's time. That man was an embodiment for me of true gospel life. Fullness of it in every way. But I don't know who or his source or whatever. That's not the issue. But he was an embodiment for me. Not a hero. Just an embodiment. But here is the question. In verse 10, he says list. Which means, God says you should consider the wealth of the earth, the money, the influence, whatever you like, call it, as the least. And then there is the much. That much is true riches. That is why in verse 11 he now said, If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? That is, he now gave another distinction. The wealth of the earth is unrighteous mammon. Yeah. Pay attention, brethren. It is unrighteous mammon, yet you, the seed of God, is commanded to use it to make friends. I've already dwelt on that yesterday. So he describes the wealth of the earth, which you get as a normal human being from your soul. When you understand it is your right, it comes to you. Now, but he said, try to understand that that which is in your hand is unrighteous, mammon. There is true riches. Because if you don't understand that, the God who said that there is true riches is faithful to deliver it. You know, Satan can play a lot of games on you. Christians are always bothered by what they can't see. But the Bible calls them to live by what they can't see. The just, the Bible says, shall live by their faith. Every day I sit there and I listen and I watch. I'm looking for paragons. I'm looking for examples of faith who I can emulate. And all I see is people who profess God, want to get to heaven, but are scared to live by faith. Terrified. I mean, how can you then believe God? Do you know that according to the book of Luke chapter 12, walking in true riches is the least of miracles, the least. How then do you expect to see the greater of miracles, like the, the, the deliverance of a soul from darkness to light, when you can't even trust God for true riches? That is just the issue at hand. That's where the primary matter is. If you can't trust God, how then can you see the greater of his miracles? Let me take you on a journey. Quick journey. Luke chapter 12, verse 33. The Bible says something very, very interesting there. Let me read from verse 31. It said, but seek ye rather the kingdom of God. Yes, the kingdom of God here is the rule, the government of God. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Why don't you believe that God's God? Okay, sorry. 
I pointed out in my last series, Sons of God, that the preconception of the church, that the word kingdom of God refers to going to heaven. Brethren, I don't know how many times you will hear it and then you begin to understand. But in the context of our study today, you see, seek ye, uh, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, to give you context, let's go to verse 29 of Luke 12. You see, and seek ye what, don't be like the Gentiles. Therefore, seek not ye what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful my oh God. Please hear that word. Pray, tell God, Lord, strengthen my heart not to doubt your government, not to doubt your rule on earth. Remember, like the GS said, God did not see the earth to Satan. Stop that concept. Stop that useless thinking. It is making you ineffective on earth. The word kingdom of God in the context of these scriptures refers to God's rule, government coming on earth. Why is it necessary? When he was teaching them how to pray, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your government come on earth as it is in heaven. What is it with you and deliberate misunderstanding? Why are you holding on to that concept and your life is not changing and you are a mouse Christian? When you hear that they want to take us to take Christian, a Christian to court, you become terrified. When you hear that it is in the police station, you are terrified. You start running around like mice. I don't even want to say like headless chicken. Because you don't understand that God's government is to come to earth through you, the seed of God, through you, through your mouth, through your understanding, through your declarations. And he prayed it as a prayer because he hadn't died. When he died, the kingdom came. But here is the point. In order to access the kingdom, the just shall live by their faith. This constant preoccupation with unrighteous mammon, yes, it will enter your hand in the form of money, cash. It will enter your hand in the form of business expansion. It will enter your hand in the form of one or two places where you can have some little clouds of influence. But God is saying, use it. Be faithful in it. Show me that I can trust you. And I will give you true riches. I've been prophesying on my pastor, Pastor Joshua. He will be one of the very few Christians that will walk the corridors of power in this country and determine who rules. I'm not, see, I don't care whether he agrees, believes with me or not, I will keep prophesying it because I know it will happen. God will grant him true riches and then he will begin to decide. That is why he's always preoccupied with the injustice in the system of government. He doesn't know it. There is a fire that burns in him when he sees injustice. And that is because he must bring effect to it upon the earth. And that scripture, like I read now, says, Do not be preoccupied with minor things like what to eat, what to drink, and be not of doubtful mind. I'm talking about Luke chapter 12. Now, but if you now go back to Luke chapter 16, let us continue our reading. The Bible says in verse 12, And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Oh my God, oh my God. 
when we're talking about sons of God, I talked about God uses what is visible to test if he can trust you. Let me give you an example. Uh, you are put, a pastor is put over you, whether he be good or bad, irrelevant, apostate or not, according to your own understanding, it is irrelevant. The point is, God uses that man to test you whether he can trust you. If you belittle a man who is put over you, you will then belittle God. Because sometimes even God, if you don't understand him, can be erratic more than the man put over you. Will you then call him an animal the way you have been calling the man put over your head? Call him an animal, call him a, 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 a sinner, an unrighteous man. Belittle him, despise him. That was a test. Let me say it again in verse 12. If you have not been faithful to that, in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? How will you enjoy the influence that is part of the, the true riches when another man's influence, you are contending with it? The little influence you have, what have you done with it? Have you used it to oppress people around you in the church and you're a seed of God? Or have you used it to be a blessing? Yes, even money, cash in your hand is influence. It can change somebody's life overnight. But what have you used it for? Here is the question. If influence is the end of human endeavor, the little that you have, the man over you, what have you used it to make his life comfortable? The one next to you, what has... Until God sees you doing something with the little you have. That is why I've taught my church, my parish, don't come and be telling us and when God gives you money, you will. God knows you will never because the little in your hand, you have not done anything useful with it. Whenever there is money in your hand, you are counting your own needs above the needs of those around you. How can you believe God? How then will you believe God? How will you believe him? In the end, church, is simply this. Do you trust that the God who said in John 15, I ordained you to bear fruit and that your fruit must remain? Do you believe in him that said, Abide in my love and whatsoever you shall ask, you will have it? Do you believe him? If you believe him, then the money in your hand will not be your God. It will not dictate your actions. If you believe him, you will not be dictated by the actions, the circumstances you find yourself. You will live above it because the just shall live by their faith. I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm asking you to think. I'm asking you to meditate. That mouse-like, insignificant life you are living is that what god called you to do do you know that many of us go to bed at night wondering is this all is that all there is to it parents you're asking your children to follow you and serve god but they look at you and wonder is that all there is to it maybe that's the reason i'm restless Maybe that's the reason I want to know this God more and more every day. 
I don't believe in mediocrity. I don't believe my God is mediocre. So if I find mediocrity in any area of my life, I want to ask him why. This is not who you are. And I'm following you. Therefore, my life cannot be like this. Why are you comfortable with it? If you notice when I'm talking, I point out, I say, if you are having this, if you are laboring, for example, when we're reading John 16, the verse 3, the steward said, I cannot dig, I cannot labor, and I cannot beg. Therefore, if you find yourself laboring and begging, you are not in the stewardship program of God. Very simple. No matter how harsh that word sounds to you, sit down and think. Don't take my word for it. Sit down and think. I draw a curtain on this for now, this morning. Let's take a word of prayer again. Father, thank you. I give you praise. Let your word find resting place in our hearts. Even if it be different from what I've said, Lord, let it just find a resting place in our hearts. Greater understanding, Lord. In Jesus' name.